Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Unauthorized Disclosure Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Rania Kalik, and I'm joined by the show's other host, Kevin Gastola. Hello, Kevin. Hey. Um, and obviously, we've got a guest with us today. For those who are watching on video, we've got Alex Rubenstein. He is a contributor to The Gray Zone as well as Mint Press. And he also has his own Substack where he just published a really excellent piece, which we're going to be spending most of the hour discussing. Uh, it's titled Intersectional Imperialism, A Wholesome Menace. And then the subheading is The Empire Claps Back, which I love. The Empire Claps Back. Um, and you can go find this piece on Alex's Substack, uh, realalexruby.substacks.com. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, and before I get into it, I do want to apologize ahead of time for having a slow brain today. I just traveled from uh, the Middle East back to the States, so I'm suffering from some serious jet lag. Um, but I'm going to power through this because it's a really important topic. So this piece, Alex, is so good. Um, you did such an excellent job uh, really going through the ways that um, the Biden administration has kicked off their presidency by trans by really putting resources into what we've been seeing taking place, which is this kind of like woke imperialism, right? This way of like infusing identity politics into uh, national security narratives and war narratives. Um, so there's the piece. If you guys are watching, you can see it on the screen. Um, and there's so much to get into. So I guess let's start with... First of all, why did you write this now? Because this has been something that's been going on for a while. Kevin and I have talked about it on the show before. Uh, we've made fun of it a lot. Um, but what's so important about really like delving into this now? Well, I, I think it being early on in the Biden administration, uh, we have to like just kind of get out in front of this. Um, so, you know, because there, it's going to be used a lot more as as things continue to develop. Uh, in the in the Biden administration and across the world, um, I I am not shy to predict that uh, you know wokeness will be used to justify coup d'etats and regime change in the next four years. Um, and also, you know, there was just like a lot of uh, information around this um, in how the Biden administration was shaping up, and a lot of news in the past week or two about um, you know all the things that I discuss in the article, whether it be Syria or Ecuador or, you know, just like the uh, diversity efforts at the State Department and, and, and NATO's tweets, um, they're all kind of like uh, in the past month or two, um, you know, sharing in this ideology uh, and, and, and promoting it um, just right off the bat. Okay, so it's usually pretty clear to people. They can see what the, the Defense Department is doing. Uh, we, we've seen examples of uh, this kind of woke washing of uh, of the drone program and bombs that are being dropped on countries and we see the obvious woke washing that has existed for the last 10 to 15 years around the afghanistan war and why it has to continue because oh if we leave all the women are going to be enslaved by the taliban and it's going to be terrible and that's what they tell us um, in order to justify the, the the forever war in Afghanistan. But I think um, there's not as much attention when we talk about these issues on an institution like the State Department that is uh, 
uh, also doing this. So can you, can you get into some of what you believe Antony Blinken as Secretary of State is trying to do, some of what they're claiming they're trying to do with the State Department? I, you know, just to like give an overall picture of the article, um, you know, it, it just, the first part really breaks down all these different institutions, the CIA, NATO, uh, the military, the State Department, you know, using the talking point that diversity is our strength. And I, and I, I, I think actually the military, the Air Force in particular, um, kind of, you know, said the quiet part out loud uh, by saying at one point that diversity is a force multiplier. So like literally it just means that like with a more inclusive uh, imperialist body, we can uh, more effectively uh, control the world. I mean, we'll have more people that we are able to uh, draw from um, to engage in our imperial exploits. Um, but with the State Department, uh, Anthony Blinken has really been like the like loudest champion of this talking point. Um, yeah, that political article, which um, actually came out after mine, um, where they say that, you know, uh, the State Department has a 232-year uh, problem of entrenched whiteness, um, which oh, I just, God. I love that language. Um, <laughs> what does that even mean? Like, it's, I, I mean... <laughs> 23,000 or so American staff may be the global face of America, but they don't look like it. Yeah, that's the problem. With this. That's the problem with the State Department. Like, of all things, it's really just this aesthetic, like... Yeah, and so problem. and so Blinken created, uh, you know, a chief diverse, diversity officer post that reports to him. Um, Ned Price, who is, uh, you know, um, promoted as an openly gay man. Uh, he's the state department spokesperson. He, he announced all this and he said, well, you know, again, diversity is our strength, which, you know, just, if, if you just type in diversity strength on Twitter, you're going to see yeah. so much like, uh, from like all these institutions that like the left really should be against. Um, but not only did he, you know, do that one position, but he created like a similar position in every bureau. Um, and actually, Max Blumenthal pointed out uh, after I published my article that, you know, in the same speech where uh, Blinken was, um, you know, touting the U.S.'s commitment to uh, racial justice, he called for, you know, the International Criminal Court to drop uh, investigations into Israeli war crimes and against Palestinians. Um, so you really get a sense of the hypocrisy of uh, these institutions when they when they go for those talking points. I mean, um, they, 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 the argument of my article is that they need to be able to like tout the diversity of their ruling class in order to like, uh, you know, justify the aggressive steps that they take on the world stage. And um, I, you know, Blinken's been been really a champion of that. Um, I, I would also, you know, mention John Kirby, who uh, used to be the State Department spokesperson under Obama, but is now the uh, the uh, Pentagon spokesperson. And uh, just the other week, he was, um, you know, talking about Lloyd Austin, the, the black uh, secretary of defense, who the media celebrated for breaking a so-called brass ceiling, um, not a glass ceiling, a brass ceiling. And he said that, uh, you know, Austin himself recognizes that uh, the lived experience of a diverse fighting force is uh, what makes, um, you know, it, it informs the Pentagon's decision making. And I, it just like, it shows you that him using that term lived experience just shows you how, uh, you know, 
how far they're willing to go in adopting this language of identity politics, like this, like Zoomer uh, Radlib, uh, you know, these Zoomer Radlib slogans to, you know, appeal to, um, you know, younger people, because like the CIA, the military, all these institutions have lost like a lot of their positive image in the U.S. public as like younger people have been kind of like a little bit more uh, liberal and radicalized. Um, and you see the CIA doing it too. You know, they're talking about uh, trying to seek out more recruits of gender, uh, disability, all these kinds of diversities um, in order to, you know, draw from the biggest pool that they can and also, you know, save face in front of the, uh, as far as their image goes. I really want to emphasize, um, like, off of what you said, just a reminder of what these institutions are doing. Not that people who listen to our show really need one, but it's important to remember to, like, hear it all at once. They're literally trying to sell us the idea that the sanctions that are starving people and denying them medicine in Iran and Syria and Venezuela and other parts of the world, that the bombs they're dropping, that the oil they're stealing, that the um, the endless like occupation of Palestine that they fund, this is like segregationist apartheid state, that the regime in Saudi Arabia that beheads people and then chops them up with bone saws, that all of the right-wing governments that they support in Latin America that are like narcos traffickers and that are you know, killing activists in places like Honduras and Colombia, that all their regime change schemes that collapse states, their decade-long backing of extremist groups in the Middle East to get rid of you know, adversaries they don't like, the dismantling of people's like lives all over the world, that this is somehow, you know, made okay, or you can just wash over it. Because all of these institutions, the State Department, the CIA, NATO, the IMF and the World Bank, which you also mention um, in your piece as being used as, you know, weapons, as we know, like the the, the Pentagon sees them as weapons in their uh, non-conventional warfare. Um, they, they're they mostly controlled by the U.S. That all these institutions, the destructive uh, policies that they enforce around the world suddenly become okay or progressive or humanitarian because you put a woman in charge of it or because you put a bunch of diverse faces in charge of it. Like, I don't think that really necessarily works, but maybe I'm naive and wrong to think that. I don't know. Like, I don't know what your guys' take on that is, but it's just like, is it even possible to cover up all that cruelty and murder with pretty faces? I, I don't know if it works on young people. I mean, they're certainly making a lot of effort to use the language of young people uh, uh, to use like, you know, radical liber liberal language. Um, I don't know if that works. I don't have my finger on the pulse of, of like Generation Z's instincts. Um, but, you know, if you watch MSNBC for a day, I think you would realize that, you know, this kind of stuff does work. Um, you know, people unfortunately aren't given the kind of information that w we are able to get, you know, about um, the CIA's crimes, about NATO's crimes. So are you enjoying listening to this show? You should be. And if you are, you'll want access to our premium content, which you can find at Rockfin. Kevin, tell them about Rockfin. Yes, uh, we're up on Rockfin 
rockfin.com. You can find us there at this URL, rockfin.com slash unauthorized dis. And uh, this channel is where we're going to get away from the demonetization that is happening on YouTube. Uh, we think it's going to allow us to grow our show and bring in new subscribers like you, people who are coming to this show for the first time, or maybe you haven't become subscribers yet and you were looking for an opportunity. And here, if you come and subscribe to our show at Rockfin, you won't just get access to us. You'll get access to other people who are making shows in the same space politically as us. People like Lee Camp, Graham Elwood, Jackson Hinkle, Richard Medhurst, Ron Pocone, as well as Jimmy Dore. And uh, some of these people have been guests on Unauthorized Disclosure. So join us on Rockfin, subscribe, get access to our premium content, and you can hear all those other cool people too.